So my name is Dimple. I am the sales and marketing assistant here at Sintica. And I was able, I'm offered to do this little interview with you and I'm very excited to do that. Um, so this here is Dr. Dilion Pennell. She was trained in cardiovascular sciences at Baylor University, University of Texas Health Science Center, San Antonio, and the University of Mississippi Medical Center. She has more than 10 years experience with all aspects of inflammatory and fibrotic components of cardiovascular remodeling following a heart attack. Her current research, proje her current research projects focus on the role of the adaptive immune system and how it interplays with the innate immune system to regular, regulate cardiac wound healing. This includes evaluating how existing confounding variables such as gender or aging changes these processes. So those are a lot of words, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a lot of very big words. How could you describe that, your research that you're doing in um, maybe layman's terms? Sure. So basically what we're focusing on is how does the heart heal after you have a heart attack? So okay. the heart is one of the only organs that cannot actually uh, replicate. So your cells in the heart cannot actually um, make new. So the muscle cells, once they're dead, they're gone. And so what ends up happening is you have to form a scar. And so what we're trying to do is figure out how does this scar form? What makes a good scar? And how can we as, you know, physicians, as clinic clinicians, what, we, what can we do to help that the patient form that good scar that we, that we want so that they don't eventually develop things like heart failure. And so that's what we're really trying to dissect is, you know, um, what immune cells, what uh, molecules can we look at as a possible therapy? Okay. So kind of like triggering the heart to repair itself with scar? Correct. Correct. So it already makes a scar, but we just want to mm -hmm. make sure it's a good scar. Yeah. Okay. Um, so with that being said, what really triggered you into steering your research in this direction of like looking at what happens after a heart attack and then trying to have that heart like try to repair itself? So, I mean, one being the cardiovascular disease is the number one killer in the United States. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think everyone knows someone who has had some form of cardiovascular disease. Yeah. Um, I've had my grandparents have had heart attacks. One of them actually passed a couple of years ago from a, a heart attack. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, all of us know that this is a big problem. Yeah. And so with my research wanting to really focus on something that is a large problem, I think that's kind of what steered me in that direction. Um, it's funny though, in grad school, I hated immunology. I thought it was the worst course ever. It was really, really hard for me. Yeah. But here I am in immunology doing all this immune work and I love it. I really yeah. love it. And, it. and it's kind of funny how that kind of comes back on you. Yeah. Was there a moment, do you have like a specific moment from when you were doing your academia and while you're doing your research where that kind of your mindset changed with like not liking it to like you, you now it's like your life passion I'm assuming I, I think it was really just being there at the bench and okay. you know kind of reading about it and and learning about it and realizing you know in a class it's a little, it's different you're just yeah. trying to memorize the information so you do well on a test but once mm -hmm. you're at the bench it's a little bit different you're trying to understand it in a different aspect and i think that getting you know getting my hands in there and kind of um, more experience kind of made me 
understand, not understand it necessarily, but I um, can't think of the right word. <laughs> tip of your tongue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tip of my tongue. But basically <laughs> I, I just started liking it more. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, like that's, that's good. <laughs> well, um, with this research, what was the most challenging part? That you mentioned this transition. Um, was that hard for you to kind of start viewing it? Was it hard for you to go from academia to like the bench? Or was that transition like pretty easy for you because you did say you enjoyed it? Um, so my grad school was actually um, in biophysical chemistry. So I, okay. I had no no animal experience, no cell work experience. It was really mm-hmm. all on peptide work and how does protein structure relate to function. Yeah, And so... Um, it was a big jump for me to go from, you know, a very, very basic, um, Mm -hmm. lab to something that's more translational, but that is what I wanted. So after Mm -hmm. grad school, I purposely sought out a lab that could teach me those techniques, teach me animal techniques, teach me, um, you know, cell culture techniques. And that's when I joined the lab of Dr. Mary Lindsay, because I wanted that experience, Mm -hmm. um, and so it was a little bit hard making such a big 180, you know, yeah. um, and trying to catch up with some of my peers who had tons of experience and, and techniques that I had never even tried. Um, but I think in a way it was very advantageous of me. And also because I had my mindset was different. I was being more chemistry um, trained. I my mind worked more mechanistically. I like to think of how step by step how things worked. I wanted to know, okay, X happens, then X happens, then Y happens, you know, and so that's how I do everything now, but mm-hmm. more in a biological way instead of a chemical way. And so um, in a way, I think having that training um, really has helped me tra- um, transition, um, mm-hmm. even though it was a little bit hard at first, um, mm-hmm. but it did help me because my mind has been able to uh, think in a different way that you know, maybe it wouldn't have if I had a more of a biological uh, training. Yeah, you're able to adapt and overcome and adjust. <laughs> yes, of course. So you mentioned your mentor, Mary Lindsay, Dr. Mary Lindsay. And I just, when I was offered like this chance to get to talk to you and get to know more about like your background, she was mentioned. And a lot of people had very, very nice things to say about her. How is it working under her? I, I, I heard that she was there at the very beginning of the Doppler flow velocity system, like the creation of it. How, how was that? What was your experience of being under such a person in science that has been a part of a lot of defining innovations in preclinical research? Um, I, I mean, it would, I cannot say anything bad about Mary. I, I, I have loved every, every minute that I, I, you know, I was in her lab. I learned so much from Mary. I mean, she gave me a chance. I mean, not many people mm-hmm. would take someone with a chemistry background and put them in a biology lab. You know, yeah. she gave me an opportunity to learn something that I had never learned before. And, um, she was, a, she's a wonderful mentor. Um, you know, I was able to learn a ton in my time in her lab and, um, it was wonderful to kind of be able to, not only, you know, watch, but experience, you know, everything from the ground up. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think in a way it's kind of, I, I've learned a lot. My mentoring style is a lot because I mirror it after her, you know, Um, and that's how I've kind of formatted my own lab is, you know, from what I've learned from, from being in her lab. 
Okay, awesome. That's great. And then I also wanted to ask, like, with this um, transition of like, not really knowing too much going from biology to chemistry, what was like the most surprising, like scientific finding that you had in your research? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like a loaded question. I know. I mean, I think every day there's always something that I'm like, oh my gosh, I never would yeah. have considered that. You yeah. know, actually, we just had a paper that was just accepted in AJP Heart. And oh, we, <laughs> thank you. Um, and so we, the reviewers wanted us to add a control um, to our experiments. And all yeah. it was was just add a control antibody. We didn't think it would do anything, yeah. right? Well, it did something. And okay. we were like scrambling, like, oh, okay, now why would that happen? It's just a <laughs> Write it all down. antibody, right? <laughs> you know, so we, we repeated it multiple times, like, okay, what, why is this happening? Make sure it's not, you know, the antibody, make sure it's not that we did the experiment wrong. Make sure it's not this, make sure it's not that. And, and it was, it was true. And then, so we look in the literature and we're trying to figure out, okay, why would this have happened? And then we came up with this, you know, based on the, what we read in the literature and based on what our data is telling us with this new data, you know, this new hypothesis that we hadn't even considered, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I think that's what science is so wonderful about science is yeah. that, you know, sometimes things don't work the way you think they're going to work, but it's, it's a good thing. It's a blessing in disguise, yeah. you know, because now you have this new idea that you never had even considered. Mm -hmm. And, and now, now it's something, a new idea that you may actually find a new discovery that no one even, you know, thought about until, your accident, your happy yeah. accident. Yeah. No, it's funny that you just like went into like that whole um, story because my next question was, what is the coolest thing about your work slash research? Like, I feel like you kind of answered it in that question because science, like it's so unpredictable. It, it's so like structured, but in its essence, but completely unpredictable. And I think like, it's amazing how like you can find like cr most discoveries, like insane discoveries are found by just something like that that just happened where you just like randomly mm -hmm. put in a variable and see what happens and then a lot of stuff actually happens yeah exactly yeah I mean I I have I have two young kids and people make fun of me because my kids know things that they really shouldn't because yeah. we talk about science <laughs> and hypothesis driven science all the time yeah. but um we I tell them all the time I was like the data is where you follow you know it's the data you can you have your own hypothesis and everything else but if you're the data is your hypothesis then that doesn't matter it's mm -hmm. the data is where you what you follow that's mm -hmm. going to be the truth and yeah. so that's what we always you know we always have to do is pay attention to that data because it may surprise you one day and then yeah. you're like oh my gosh this is not at all what i thought would happen but yeah. it's the most interesting part yeah um, so with that, do you have any particular challenges that you face in your lab? I mean, I think being a new investigator, there's always new challenges because mm -hmm. you were, we're all, we're learning still, yeah. um, managing people was a challenge. Um, it still is a challenge, you know, we're mm -hmm. still learning on how to manage people, how to ensure that everyone is getting what they need. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think a good mentor, good, a uh, good PI is not only worried about what they need, but what everyone else needs so that they can yeah. as a team be successful. Um, and so I think that that's something that I've had to learn over the last three years yeah. is how to ensure that everyone is getting everything that they need so that we can all be successful. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that's kind of been the biggest challenge for me is just ensuring that I can, 
I'm paying attention and mm-hmm. listening and, yeah. and not getting too caught up in my grant writing or, or whatever, you know, that's yeah. going on um, yeah. and, and being a good leader. Yeah. And on that note, do you have any advice that you would give to younger people who are interested in this similar career, career field? Um, sure. Um, I have lots of advice. <laughs> <laughs> go, go for it. <laughs> I think, so I think the biggest thing of biggest um, advice that I have taken to heart since, you know, high school probably was um, fail your way to success. Failure is not a bad thing. Failure is a good thing, in fact, mm-hmm. because every time you fail, it should be a learning experience. And every failure is just a way for you to learn. And so um, I've really taken that one and really made it kind of my motto, if you will, mm-hmm. um, because every time something doesn't work, it's not some doesn't mean like we throw our hands up in the air and quit. <laughs> you know, yeah. it means that we just regroup, rethink and, you know, we learn from it. Okay. That yeah. didn't work. Okay. Now how can, how can we make it work? If that didn't work, then now we have another path that we need to, yeah. you know, go. Um, and so that is probably the biggest, um, the biggest advice I have is don't be afraid of failure. Um, because it's just a learning experience. Um, mm-hmm. And don't be, don't be afraid to follow the path that people don't usually follow. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I didn't get to where I am by following the path that everyone else followed. You know, I, I, I made my own path, you know, yeah. I went from chemistry to biology for, you know, yeah. so I, I made my own path and, and don't be afraid to do that. Don't think that you have to do something in order to be successful. Don't think that you, you know, you have to get, um, get some, you know, a fellowship or, or whatever, um, make your own path, make sure it's what you actually want. Um, because that's the only way you're going to be successful is to make sure that it's what you want and not what everybody else is telling you that you want. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> As a young person that really touched my heart. That, so <laughs> that is like what I need to hear after this whole year of just like crazy pandemic and all that. Um, so in, I was, I, this wasn't a question that we had pre-selected or anything it's just something that I want to ask just because we were talking about how is doing your lab and starting your lab up during like this whole year of complete chaos I mean it's been it's been crazy for sure yeah I mean like I mentioned already I have I have two young children so Mm -hmm. um with schools closing and everything else I had to find a way to be mama and be PI which is Mm -hmm probably the most difficult thing I had to do. Because uh, <laughs> that was not easy for sure. Um, but, yeah. but I think that the thing that any hardship like this teaches you is that you are strong, you're resilient, and that we can do it. And I think mm-hmm. that that's, and you know, I think having kids taught me that alone, just having mm-hmm. the kids, you know, mm-hmm. and now we're in kids with a pandemic and now I'm having to te- you know, relearn some things and, yeah. and reassess some things and prioritize some things. Um, and, but I think every single hardship that I've ever faced is just another way of becoming stronger, mm-hmm. you know, becoming more resilient and, and learning, um, what my priorities are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's been hard, but I don't like to think of the bad stuff. I think like to yeah. think of it as a way of, of learning, of growing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. So on that note, do you have any future research directions? Like what is coming next after um, your research with heart and heart attack? Are you going to do like, obviously you talked about how you have a history with um, people in your family having heart diseases and stuff. And is that, are you going to, 
expand on that and that's going to be like what you're going to be doing for a little bit or do you have any other interests within your research that you've been like thinking about so um we're sticking with the heart for sure but um one thing that i am interested in is looking more at how things like your sex your gender Mm -hmm. and your age Mm -hmm. right how that is a big confounding factor of cardiovascular disease. We know that women don't have cardiovascular disease until later in life, right? Mm -hmm. We don't really quite understand why, whether it's hormonal, whether it's chromosomal, whether it's, you know, just, you know, the way we are, you know, just are, you know? Mm -hmm. So we're, we're really interested in, in that component of what is happening, what is the drivers and how can we, um, basically make a more personalized medicine for women versus men mm-hmm. or can we make a blanket treatment that will affect both men and women evenly yeah. um which i think is obviously the the best goal is yeah. that you know we have a treatment that can treat everyone but mm-hmm. i think that's a little optimistic honestly yeah. Yeah. um so i mean that's one of one of the big goals for us um over the next uh, couple of years is really dissecting out the sex differences and the effect mm-hmm. of age and how is that affecting our immune system and affecting our ability to heal after a heart attack yeah yeah that seems like very important stuff that the world needs to kind of develop and that's amazing so i've reached like my end of my questions so i just wanted to thank you for giving us some time today for having this interview, um, your research, thank you for explaining it a bit more in layman's terms. And I can like kind of understand. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you taking like time out of your day to do this little interview with us. And hopefully we'll have this back to you and everything when we have it all primed and propped and everything. Well, thank but, you for having me. Yes, of course. Thank you. And very inspirational, just by the way. <laughs> oh, <thank you. laughs> I loved it. Um, yeah.